Well, we are back, Mark and I. So, hi, Mark. Nice Hello. to uh, be joined with you in the studio again today. After a couple of weeks, after a couple of really great interviews with all sorts of characters. And today we are interviewing someone who we actually know very, very well, but perhaps are talking to as he enters into a really new role. And that is Ben. So, Ben, hello. Hi. Ben, we have sort of invited you onto the podcast today because of your internship, which began last week. And to speak to you about how that leans into and will lead into your apprenticeship as that starts later on this year. But Mark and I obviously know you very, very well. I think my maths is about seven years. Does that put yours, Mark, on... 10 approximately yeah i would suggest, i would say it's probably about 10 but for anyone who doesn't know what's your arts origin well i started around 10 years ago when i was six years old i was quite lost to be fair when i first joined i didn't know exactly where i wanted to be what i wanted to do who i would know in about 10 years time where i am now is definitely not where i expected myself to be it's sort of got shaped to where I am now through different people such as Mark and Joe and even the people around me, the the other students, they all influenced me. My peer mentors, the staff, even the likes of Joe Lucas in um, Elf, I think it was. I, I remember the first thing I said to him is, who are you? Sort of thing. And he was like, very welcoming. He was like, Oh, hi, I'm I'm Joe Lucas. So, and every show I said hi to him, and he had to deal with me when I was young and annoying. And now I would like to think I'm a lot more respectful than I was back then. I'd like to think I am very disciplined. And overall, I would like to say that I am very hardworking, which I was not back then. I was quite lazy. Well, I mean, firstly, I think that... It was quite interesting how, Ben, when you were given your description then that you, you referred to Mark and Joe, I'm assuming that you meant us, even though we were sat across the table from you, or you were talking about another Mark and Joe, which would be which would be good. So for me, I, I think that, Ben, you represent people, and you, Joe, you represent people who, who've been here a long, long time. And I think that when you've been here for so long, you, you get the full benefit, I think, of the whole arts philosophy because it becomes actually part of who you are. So, Ben, you, you started when you were six years old and you're here at 16. A lot of what you've known, a lot of your learning and development has all been from this building. So so I, I think that, that that actually, you know, like like so many kids, you, you start off just on, you know, you just get on the bus, you, you, you're in a show, you do an audition. And, and some people really enjoy it. Some people don't. Some people, you know, do 15 shows and that's them done. And I think you're heading, I think you're, you know, probably 70 shows or something like that, which is just an unbelievable amount of experience that you've, you know, for someone so young, you've ma- you've managed to uh, obtain all of this experience. Um, and yet, you know, you, here you are now looking at something else. So, you know, when I look back over the years about the people who've had such an influence on the centre, 
I, I don't know whether whether I'd say Ben's had this huge influence. I'd, I'd say Ben has, has, has been there for as long as I can remember. You now are, I think you're moving into a position now where you have a lot of that experience to to sort of give and and now have an impact. So I, I'm really excited over the next 18 months, two years of, of now you're in a position with a little bit more responsibility and power, how you can actually utilise that uh, to help the next Ben Chain who's who's kind of starting out. So I'm, I'm really, I'm always excited about that. It's like you've got a load of weapons in your armoury and and now it's time to use them. And the stuff that we're obviously talking about and the reason why I find I, I always really am interested in your journey and the stuff that you're doing is because it really lands quite similarly to the stuff that I would like to do. So you, someone who, and correct me if I'm wrong and it, it's, a, it's an open question, but the goal is to to direct and to direct theatre, yeah? Yeah, specifically probably youth theatre because as I was growing up, I felt personally impacted by youth theatre, like, a lot. And just, it felt almost magical seeing how it sort of shaped my life over the many, many years, which became a lot more evident as I got older and more understanding. And it's just something I would, I would like to do for others. I love that, and I think I can certainly relate to it. And I think, well, it's clearly everyone in this room can certainly absolutely relate to that. And I find it really interesting that the pathway that you've chosen to do that through is through this internship and then onto the apprenticeship over going down a college route, going down what is maybe more the mainstream route. Do you want to tell us why you've decided not to do the college thing and to do the apprenticeship pathway instead? Yes, this is uh, this is actually something I'm really, really passionate about because when I when I look at my school life, I thought... God, I love maths. But that was because my teacher was great, because he was a great person, because he was very, like, all hands-on. You you learn by doing things, which is very much what the centre is, very much what an internship is, very much what an apprenticeship is. And the way the school system has been in regards to the fact that you have to do this at this time, there is a right answer, there is a wrong answer. You can be wrong. At times, I am right. You can't have your own opinion. That, to me, is limiting. It, it's not what I'd really, really enjoy to be around. And college is the extension of a school, in my opinion. And I'd rather be limitless, being opened up to, to, like, being opened up to opportunities, opened up to windows where even my mentors can turn around and go, well, you can go, yes, I may be wrong here, or we may both be right, or we, we may both be wrong any of these opportunities rather than the there is a right answer there is a wrong answer because that's just too limiting look i i think the education system has a lot to answer for i i do very strongly believe that that we're still teaching young people uh for a world that has completely and utterly changed um you know even even the the, the sitting in rows and you know, an element of the uniforms and the and the you know the Mister and Mrs. Speech and the Sir and Madam. All of this stuff is so dated, and I think that it we're telling students how to think, and we're telling them what to think. And the danger with that is, 
that's not the world that these young people are going into. They need to be creative and agile. They need to be very savvy and aware of, of, of how the world has changed. And, and I, I think that, I mean, I said, Ben, to you the other day about this internship and particularly the apprenticeship is, an op, you know, that you will spend a lot of the next two years really uncomfortable. I make no bones about that. And that sounds weird. It sounds like, why would you do that? And what I mean by that is I'm going to be putting you in situations which you are, you will have to think for yourself. You won't have the teacher telling you from the exam guide, this is what you need to write and this is how you need to write and structure it. All I need to do to you is teach you the the, the values, the art centre values, which you already know because you've lived and breathed them for 10 years. But now it's like I'm constantly going to be putting you in uncomfortable situations because that, I believe, is when the learning happens. But Ben, I think you're someone who, who recognises that, that actually that challenge is, is coming and maybe you, maybe you can tell us that, you know, what's your take on, on that? You know, do you, what is the value of you doing this? You, you, you could spend six, six weeks at home playing on your phone, playing games online, you know, some of the things that you like to do. Maybe, you know, hanging out with your friends. Why have you decided to spend your whole summer and maybe the next three months working what will be really hard in a lot of difficult situations? Why are you doing that? I feel there's there's much more benefit of what uh, coming to an environment like this being able to work with the people you enjoy, even if it does mean getting put in uncomfortable situations. Because at the end, you get something much greater out of it. You get, you get knowledge, you get understanding, you get, you get all that experience that you wouldn't otherwise get from being sat at home with doing nothing. And I'd really, really kick myself, I reckon, in about 10 years' time if I looked back and I went, why, why did I do that? Why did I just sit at home doing nothing? Why didn't I get up? Why didn't I go do that? when I had an opportunity presented to me that you wouldn't necessarily get in, well, anywhere else. Something, being able to work with people as experienced as you, like 20 years of teaching. If if that's something I want to go into and then being offered, offered this opportunity, not taking it would be foolish. Not being able to just, yeah, getting off my butt and coming to here. Why wouldn't I do that? It's... I said to you the other day, didn't I, that, that, you know, the way I see high school is you've all left high school now. You've just done your TCSEs. You've all left high school. And you've all arrived on the, the start line, I think, of, of the rest of your life. You've just, you've all just arrived at the start line. Whereas people think education, particularly high school, the narrative that gets peddled is this is a do or die situation. If you screw this up, it will affect the rest of your life. And it's this kind of really, really unproductive language, like education stops when your high school ends. And it's like, no, no, it doesn't. The way I see it is you now start at that point. So you're, you're on the start line. And I said to you, just see it if people in your year group, people who are 16 now leaving school, you are going to be the next generation of, you know, thinkers, and for me, I just see it as a, a very competitive race of what can you be doing in order to level up? 
everything that you are doing. So if you start going, I said to you about going to the gym or eating your nutrition, your the way you eat, the things that you that you read or listen to, if you're doing that more than than the next person in your year group on that start line, you are just going to be further down the line. You are going to be ahead of the game. It's as simple as that. So spending six weeks at home twiddling your thumbs, waiting for that that's that to me is 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 school thinking. You get your six weeks off and you start the next education, whether it be college or whether it be a job or an, an apprenticeship or whatever, you start that in September because that's when education restarts is September. That 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 is a, a mindset that that a lot of young people have that the summer is not a time for learning. The summer is a time for for just not studying. And it's like, no, no. The summer is the time, like you say, to, to fill your boots full of new experiences. And this is where this is where you've landed. There's something within that, I think, Mark, around the idea that perhaps there's also a misconception around internships, apprenticeships, non standardized if standardized is it's in a college or it's in a sixth form strands of education in that they're great for the this misconception being that they're great for the soft skills the accountability the time management the organization but but perhaps they're not delivering on the technical skills and this is a this is a t- part of the topic that I have real issue with the misconception of this. Uh, this idea that doing the apprenticeship, for instance, for you, Ben, will disadvantage you. It will limit your options going forward as, as in a career in comparison to had you gone, I'll go to college. And that college is the the more ideal thing and the apprenticeship is the easy way out of academia. I hate, I really, really hate all of these notions and I reference them because for a creative field like this one, you say you'd like to direct, but in, in any creative field like this and, and in which the work is around working with people, creating creative solutions for creative problems, an element of artistry and working as an artist and working as a performer or a facilitator, then how, how can you get a better body of training than doing the work? than doing the stuff, than working on the show. So, and to to colour in my example a little bit further, I'd be really surprised at the fact that there are people who would turn around and say to you, or turn around and say to me, or turn around to say and say to Charlotte Guy, because she's also done the apprenticeship here, you would have gotten better training in the job you wanted by going and doing an A-level in those sorts of subjects. Well, I mean, I mean, it's rubbish to be honest. Is is what that is, you know? And again, I go back to this whole thing around around the way that that we, the young people think, and the way that a lot of society thinks. We're still thinking about how life was twenty, thirty years ago. My my thing on it would be, you, you know this better than anyone, Joe. Is 
what, what people get from doing an apprenticeship here is they get an investment in. The main thing is my, my time is the big thing. So, Ben, we've already had conversations, quite detailed conversations, two, three hours, and they're, they're starting to mount up now. They're starting to really mount up. Now, if you're doing, let's say you're doing a, um, I don't know, let's say you're doing a maths A-level, you're not getting, you know, a load of one-to-one time with the maths professor. You're just not getting that. Because if you did, you would be so much further down the line when you're talking about the practical application of that skill. Here, you're getting that you're getting that dialed in. Even this conversation over this table today, this is part of the job you're doing. And, and yet, it's just, it's like you're plugged in to the knowledge bank. It's like, wow, you know, how much you get of that. And in terms of the... The, the, the important thing for me is about you have got to think for yourself and you're going to be given real life experience, real life problems, real life things, responsibility, accountability. These are the big things that, that an apprenticeship here would give. And I'll tell, I'll tell you the story, of, a funny story about Charlotte Guy. So Charlotte was doing a, a, a design apprenticeship, yeah? And she was given, pretty much within the first week of her apprenticeship, she was given a brand new client who was doing uh, a community magazine. And Charlotte was was to design the magazine. This wasn't a, a, um, a school project. This was a real life paying client who wanted a, a, a magazine design of 36 pages. And Charlotte was to, to work solely on that project. And obviously the, she was under she was under supervision, um, if that's the right word. She was being, you know, she was being supported, but in the main, she was doing it herself. She then, she then presented that to the client and she was excited. I've finished this. I'm going to present this to the client. And the client rung me. Now, bear in mind, the client's a friend of mine for context, but it was a real life thing. And the client rung me and I, she said, I, I don't, I'm not happy with, with the design. And I said, oh, okay, that's not good. How many pages of the 36 are you not happy with? And she said, 36. And I went, oh. So I rung Charlotte and I said to Charlotte, hi, Charlotte, um, do you want the good news? This was around COVID, around the COVID time. Mm. I said, do you want the good news or the bad news? And she said, can we start with the bad news? And I said, the client has rejected all 36 pages of your design. And she said, oh, okay, that's not good. And she said, what's the good news? And I said, Boris has just opened the pubs again. <laughs> and we, we, Charlotte and I went to the pub um, across the road from the centre and we, we talked about how that rejection felt. And we, we then went, uh, we went, back over it we, we 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 helped her to fix it all and you know three years on charlotte is still designing even the apprenticeship is finished charlotte has moved on but charlotte is still the, the the head designer of that particular product and she is being paid to do that by by the client so that was a real life situation and it came with real life accountability and responsibility and she is so much better as a designer because of that that thing. Whereas if I had come in and gone, no, don't do that, Charlotte. No, don't do that. Put that there. No, 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 don't do that. No, no, that's okay. I'll pitch it to the client. It's okay. No. 
she's not that that is that's how schools work you're not thinking for yourself you're just doing as you're told you're just putting things in boxes and in orders there's no thinking there's n- you know you can't deal with the rejection and i think that and Joe, you, you know, you, oh, you, you, you probably have a really have good example of, stories. <laughs> of, of how I did exactly the same with you. I, I gave you uh, the responsibility of, of running some kind of peer mentor forum. Yeah, yeah. And you said to me, it would be really lovely to, we were talking about trying to join the dots between the, the new Apollon Centre and the Scam Centre and getting away from this us and them feel that, that was potentially going to happen. And you said it would be really lovely to get the peer mentors to come to Up Holland and as rep, as ambassadors of the art centre in its in its entire form. And and I said, okay, that sounds like a good idea. That's you. That was you really thinking for yourself, not me saying, no, Joe, no, no, don't don't come to me with stuff like that. It was like, okay. And I was like, well, why why do you think that? Okay. And you were assessing that against the values and saying, well, we we want to be you know one thing. And and it was great. So you you ended up doing that. And we we took a photo. You took a photograph. Mm-hmm. The photograph was was the new peer mentors up at or the peer mentors up at Apollon, yeah. and and someone was missed. Mm-hmm. She was missed out of that. Um, and it was a, a really simple administrative thing. Mm-hmm. It was no there was no malice in it, but it it was quite upsetting for for uh, her who was missed off, and it was quite upsetting for the parents as well. Like she. And I remember, I remember them contacting you with that, and you had, and you I had, or oh, they contacted me. Yeah, they went, they went to you. They contacted me, and you could have gone two ways. Mm. You could have immediately looked for a way out. Well, it's not my thing. It's not my. But it was your idea. It was your thing. And I remember you fronting that up, contacting the parents, contacting the the, the, the kid in question, and just apologising. Mm. It was literally luck, and it was a, it was a, I remember that for you because it was a tough pill for you to swallow, and it was tough for me because now that you could think that oh, you know we've got a problem here. I my reputation, the art center's reputation, was now on the line because we we were kind of going against, or it looked like we were going against our own our own thing, and that's the price that you pay sometimes for for having apprentice, apprentices and giving apprentices the whole nine yards, if you like. Um, but but I think that the way you dealt with that was a difficult one. Um, and to be fair, the, the people in question were very gracious as soon as, you, mm-hmm. as, soon as you'd sort of said that. Um, but I think you probably stick, that's probably stuck with you and it, it probably has, changed your practice a little bit as well. No, that's literally what I was thinking about as you were recalling the story. And I think it was actually just before my apprenticeship. I think it was my, as my internship was coming to the end. I think it was sort of September time because the building was very new and we were starting my apprenticeship in the November. And I think that that particular event, that particular event returns in the, from the back of my mind to my front of the mind to the front of my mind every time i think about inclusive practice and inclusive practice being things like you know how do you make sure that in a in a drama session everyone can access the work even if we're doing script work and there's a student who's neurodivergent and maybe dyslexic that is an example of of inclusive practice and Every time I end up thinking about 
anything remotely similar to that sort of stuff, people feeling included or people feeling left out, that particular incident strikes as like, it's the, it's one of the first things that returns as a, well, it's got to be inclusive because when it isn't inclusive, it's like that instance there where that person felt, felt, discarded but you're, you are not that's what I'm saying as a, and going back to your maybe earlier question you are not going to nobody's going to be getting that level of responsibility no. no one's going to be learning those lessons whilst studying A-levels at college they're just not because the college are going to be adults in college the co- tutors will be telling students when to arrive what to study how to study when to what the deadlines are, what they need to do in order to meet those deadlines, then they're not. I know people say, "Oh well, the, the, the curriculum's really creative." Creative curriculum to me is a bit of an oxymoron. It's like they don't belong together. Curriculum is you be told what you're doing, and creativity is not that. I'm interested, Ben, with you just to, to ask you. You've only been doing this internship a week. I know you've been here ten years. In the last week, you have been doing a very... You've been coming in to work at a, at a time. And that's not not coming after school to take part in sessions. You have entered the world of work this week. Give us an, a sense of already... Talk about this levelling up. What have you learned already this week that you didn't know before you started? I learned the importance of a calendar. And just just being able to have that your week planned out in front of you it even if you even if you don't abide like solely and truly to the calendar being able to lay your week out and just look at it and go right i've got this much time here that i'm doing nothing in which you wouldn't really sometimes you wouldn't really see unless you've got it laid out in front of you because i'm a very visual person and i've never but i've never really had a calendar and being able to look and go why why have I got four hours there where I do nothing? What what am I doing with that part of my day? It's a bit like why why have I not done this before? And being able to have a calendar, even if it's not even if I have to sort of change what I'm doing at that time. For example, I was doing work from ten till half eleven on some arts target work. But then I got into a conversation with you and Caitlin and Kyle. Which I sort of like just pushed back a bit the arts target stuff because the conversation I was having was a bit more important. But being able to have that calendar and sort of go, right, this is what I'm going to do and this is when I'm going to do it, it sort of relieves a lot of the stress I did have going into the internship. Because one of the things which which I went into the internship thinking was, I'm not going to be able to cope, my head will fall off. And I was terrified, and I still am partially like scared at times. Going, how am I going to do this when it gets to the apprenticeship? But being able to have a calendar sort of there sort of takes a whole load off of my plate, and it feels a lot more relieving and relaxing. What, what, what else did we say about the calendar though? You said it was like it helps you to relieve stress because you you have a bit more sense of what you're what you're doing. Um, what else has, uh, have you have you done whilst being here apart from that that calendar? Because doesn't that calendar sound a little bit like your school timetable? How is it different? It's different because I'm in control of of the calendar 
a school timetable was you abide by this. We tell you to go this place then and you do this from this time till this time. What is different about the center? When I when I came in and I was looking at my calendar and I looked at Joe, I think, and I was like, well, Joe, when am I going to have my lunch? And Joe responded with something like, whenever you want, whenever you're hungry. What does it say in your calendar? I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. So it was a bit more, it's a lot more lenient towards me. And then he also spoke about how his Thursday mornings may not be as productive as the rest of his week. However, are still probably super duper important to have that time to relax, that recharging. Because by having a, a rest in your calendar at some point, it allows the rest of your calendar to be a lot more productive. And being able to dictate when when it suits me best, rather than when it suits the teacher or the mentor, it, it just makes the whole thing a lot easier. And I, I'm glad you made that um, that. that sort of um you know you've understood the difference between the two one is and that's that's the difference between doing an a level and doing this one is the school the college dictates where you are and when you're there and the difference here is we what i've done is i've told you and we've discussed the arts that you said about the arts and the target but what we've discussed is the art center's long-term vision all of the things that we want to achieve. And then I've asked you to, or Joe has asked you to put together your calendar that represents that thing. I also talked to you, didn't I, about how your calendar should have you as a whole person. And what I mean by that is the physical you, so your 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 body and your mind. So what are you do where does the calendar challenge your body and your mind? So if there's no term for, for personal exercise or there's no time for reading or learning, then then the calendar is unbalanced. If there's no time for spiritual development, so and what I mean by I don't mean praying necessarily, what I mean is, you know, talking about philosophy, talking about points of view, talking about the big the big topics that affect our lives, I think, and we do that a lot. Even this is 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 that. Um, and and looking forward for for your personal growth. So so where where's your purpose? How does this align with Ben Chain's purpose rather than the art center's vision? What is your vision? And again, you look at your calendar should should be representative of all of those things, rather than I don't care whether you're spiritually developed or whether you're physically developed, Ben. I don't really care because you are you are now working for me. And I think some people struggle with that because they're waiting to be told what to do. I've never said to, to people like, I want your calendar. I want you to tell me what you're doing. And I want to see how you have joined the dots between your day and the long-term vision. You know, and, and your point about wasting time or unproductive time is a great quote that says, you know, the plan that you time, sorry, the time that you plan to waste is not time wasted. And if you've put two hours in to just do nothing, watch Netflix or, you know, play scroll, Clash of Clans, Clash of Clans, <laughs> scroll on your phone, play Pokemon Go, it doesn't matter. Because actually, that is, that is, you could argue that is a little bit of spiritual stuff of just, just mindfulness, just giving yourself a little bit of a break. 
and not trying to swim against the tide of productivity. I think that is all you've learned all that in a week, by the way. Teaching you the discipline to stick to that because it's difficult and, and we can, I'd like to, it's just easy if I don't have a calendar and I just, but it's not productive. And I think that's what you're learning already in, in this week. And I think it's worth, worth sort of saying as well, like we, I've said this about peer mentoring. My job is to just tell you the, the, the destination in which we're all heading. And if we do this, you know, metaphorically, I could say our destination is, you know, let's say our destination is Spain. That's the, that's the art center's long-term vision. I don't care how you get there so long as you're making forward progress to that destination. Joe would probably take the, the, the quickest flight he probably could so he can get there and, and get on and do stuff. Some people might go, no, I'm going to, like, Clue would probably go via the, you know, the flowery camper van, you know, stopping in at other locations along the way. Someone might walk because, like, Mike might would probably walk there because it, it seems like a good idea. But it doesn't matter so long as everybody gets there eventually. And I think, again, the discerning between the two, school are, no, no, there's no, I'm, I'm telling you how to get there. We're all going via, we're all going via the, you know, the, the, the we've got to be here at this time. We're going to all travel together and do this. And again, it doesn't, it doesn't leave any room for, for creative problem solving and thinking. Something there though, as well, if you look at it properly, the difference between the school being able to tell you how to get there and the difference between me having to find my way there is I get to learn the skill of motivation as well to find what motivates me to do this rather than just being told this is this is how you're going to get there because when you're told to get there, that's your motivation because you've been told by your teacher. That is not going to get anyone anyway. If you, if you expect th- to live your life being told what to do, how to get to places, you, you're not going to make it very far. Whereas here, you have to sort of find ways to motivate yourself. And something I've heard recently on Stephen Bartlett's podcast was S3, which stands for step, step, step. You you focus on your next step. Once you get started, you move on again. Take small steps. Say you want to go running, but you can't be bothered running. You wake up, you're like, I don't want to run today. Put one sock on. Once you've got one sock on, you have to put the other one on, of course. And then once you've put the other one on, You'll, you'll go, I've got my socks on, why, why don't I put my trainers on? And just taking those small steps and learning how to find the motivation within you, I think is a lot more important than being able to just get told what to do and being able to get that done that way. But but you're right. I mean, we, if we said about that, we, let's say, again, using my, my analogy of going to Spain, the difference of, of, of a college course, high school, or um, even uni to a degree, in, you know, to an, uh, the big degree of, of uni is the same. If I said to you, right, Ben, you're gonna you're gonna get a bus. It's gonna go to this at this time. You're then gonna get on a train. You're gonna then get on a plane. At, at, at two o'clock, you're gonna be picked up by da 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 da. You're not thinking. You're not thinking. You might learn a little bit. What you'll learn is to follow the system. That's what you'll learn. You'll learn how to be in places at the time you were given. There's no thinking there. Here, I would say, Ben, I'll see you in Spain in 20 hours. And your first question to me would be, well, how do I get there? And I'll just say, figure it out. And I know, I've got to know that you are capable of doing that. And I would expect that you would be in Spain 
within that given time. I have got to have faith that you'll do that. I have faith. I did the same with Joe. I did the same with Charlotte. Resourceful thinking. You've done a lot of, of ex- you've had a lot of experience in, in the work you've done with shows. But when people might say, that's bad for me, that Mark, that, that's terrible. You can't just leave him to figure it out himself. You've got to, you've got to, you know, show him. You've got, to, and there is an element of that, of course, but I think there's the big, there is the big sort of difference between, between those two approaches is whilst you're getting to Spain, you're going to be problem solving. You're going to be communicating with different people, different cultures or whatever. You're going to have an element of logistics. You're going to have an element of planning. You're going to have an element of coping under pressure and stress. You're going to have to use your intuition at times. You're going to have to be inventive and, and, and show enterprise. You don't do any of that if if I tell you how you're going to get there. That's the big difference, I think. I think, Mark, there's also something in that that it would be naive for an onlooker to look at Ben starting in this role, in this position, and and think that being thrown in at the deep end is the same as being thrown to the wolves. Mm-hmm. Because... And Ben, let me draw on an example. We were talking on Monday about we came back after the D-Rig and I think we sat down and we went, okay, so Ben, what what are your... I was asking you, what is your goals for today? What are you trying to get done today? And then, and you told me, that was great, yeah, cool, go for it. And I remember mentioning, okay, well, next week, let's maybe do this at the start of Monday as well, but let's do it more about what you're trying to get done this week. The objective of that may be, okay, moving towards as time goes by, as training sets in, that rather than you having to check in what your goals are each week, it's like, what are you doing this month? Okay, cool, great, go for it. I want to ask Ben this, and you know, it's about, I know what a successful apprenticeship looks like in my opinion but that might not be the opinion of the apprenticeship provider who wants you to to do something very schooly i get that but my my thing of before i i don't want to kind of sway the answer here but what what does a, a successful apprenticeship look like for you ben a successful apprenticeship i reckon if how would I look back at a successful apprenticeship? It would be one where I've learned. It doesn't matter how much I succeed in that apprenticeship, how much how much work I've been able to turn around and go, yeah, well, I've got this done. Well, I've organised this event and I've done this and I've done that and I've did it all perfectly with no, no harm to me and I felt great the whole time. A successful apprenticeship to me would be one where I look back at it and I go... Whoa. That was a bit. That was that was mad. Uh, uh, that was chaotic, because in in those moments of stress, in those moments where you 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 start to lose it a bit, in those moments where you you, you turn around and you're like, well, I certainly turn around to people and look for someone to help me in hard situations. But and it's been a lot more recent as well. To be fair, when I was writing my CV and I turned around, I was like. Every two minutes, Mark, 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 how do I do this? And he just, it was like, figure it out, figure it out. I look back and I'm really proud of that CV because I did it. And I wouldn't have been able to do it myself if I didn't just get thrown in the deep end going, well, off you go. 
and being able to look back at all like the failed attempts of that CV I did and being able to look back at the apprenticeship going, well, that went pretty awful, but I learned this. I think that's where the success comes from, being able to look back at what you've done, being able to reflect on it and go, this, I'm not doing this again, but I managed to learn this from it. I think that's the real, the real prize from the apprenticeship. I think it's nice that you didn't say, I'd like to get a distinction. Because I'd like one of them too. <laughs> <laughs> because a distinction would, would automatically put it into a, a, a and success is a, is a numeric metric, which is very schooly as well. And, and I'm glad that your answer was much more philosophical than it was uh, about the numbers. It's worth mentioning as well that with your CV, what we did do. I think for the listener who's thinking we we literally just don't help you at all. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, is, is that we we gave you feedback and we do do a rubbish version, do it as as you, and then let us give you feedback, and then and you did it about four times with feedback, mm-hmm. and and it became really it it looked it became good in the end because you had you had feedback, and some people will argue it's crit, it was criticism. It's the same thing, feedback criticism. Is the same thing. It just depends on how you how you perceive that that particular thing. Um, I, I wanted to ask you another question, which was, can you give uh, can you give people a, a, an idea of a time, maybe recently, where not in the apprenticeship or the internship, but you've been on a. It's a bit like Joe. You were the same. You've probably been on this learning journey into not a student, but into a creative facilitative role, probably for the last two years. Can you give us a, an example of a time when you have had your fingers burned? Uh, you've been you've been told off or you've been you've been challenged and confronted at the time, similar to Joe before with with forgetting someone off off the list, where it felt at the time really, really difficult but maybe give us a sense of what you learned from that that experience. I was having this chat the other day with Joe, and it was about how different people prefer to be comforted in different ways. Some people prefer um, someone to chase after them, going, I'll help you, I'll support you through all of this. And some people prefer to just be left alone and, and left in their own pity, going, oh, feel bad on me, feel bad on me. But I, I feel... I feel one of them I really, really wanted at the time of the Matilda dress rehearsal because I'd made a mistake. It resulted in some of the cast making, well, the rest of the cast making mistakes. And ultimately that was on me. But I, I was looking for people to blame. I was like, I'm tired. I can't do it. I've got school. I've got this. I've got that. And I just wanted to someone to just come down and feel pity on me or someone to just stick up for me. I felt like the world was after me at that moment in time. But then, a few days later, I was like, I'm so glad that no one went and did that for me, because the lessons I learned from it was, ooh, maybe when I do take this step, that I am going to be responsible for a lot more people than just myself. Not necessarily for, for people missing cues and stuff, but for the influence that I can have on other people which could be a very powerful influence, might not be. But being able and being ready to accept that things I do now could affect other people, that was emphasised on that day because it was like, I made a mistake, and because I made a mistake, other people suffered. And being able to look back and think, right, let, let that won't happen again. 
or I've got to be a lot more careful with how I move forwards now because everything I'm doing is starting to affect pe- other people. And I think that was really important. Yeah, and I, and I think that you, you're right to, to talk about the influence because I think this is probably the, the biggest fundamental difference between going into a, a, an, an A-level a programme or into this programme is... I, I don't know, watch a lot of Star Wars, and, and I know other people do, but I I I feel like it it has like a bit of a Star Wars analogy. This whereby you are like you are like the young master with with an unbelievable amount of power, and you don't necessarily know how to yield that. So you wield that power. So whether it whether it be a, a weapon of some description, that's what you've got. You don't realize it. You, you do it. You do to a degree, as you've just illustrated there. But I don't think you realize how much you might say something tomorrow, tonight, to a to a kid in juniors, which they'll be quoting to their kids in in twenty thirty years time, and that is that is genuinely genuinely a thing. So. Some people think that it's unfair for, for Ben to be treated slightly differently than somebody else. And I disagree because I believe that you have more power and more responsibility. And my job is to teach you very quickly how to how to wield that power that you have. Joe, you're the same. You 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 have, you know, you guys arguably now have more power in terms of influence over students than I do. And that's and that's unbelievable, really, what you think about it, because you guys are so. It's like you know you you're the the big flavor of the moment, and and you've earned that. But you have to be able to wield it. So you guys coming in, yeah, you're making a mistake, and automatically looking for someone to blame actually shows everybody else that they can't. They're not accountable for their own problems, and actually that it's someone else's fault. It's the teacher's fault. It's the parents' fault. It's someone else. No, no, no. It's it is your. It is yours to own. And at the time, I I was harsh on you. But people say that you are harsher to... I, said, I think I said this to you. You are harsher to the people that you see the most potential. And and my thing about the successful apprenticeship, have you ever seen a cat when it falls in the bath and you take it out of the bath and it just looks like it's been through a hedge backwards? Mm-hmm. That That's how I, I see your apprenticeship at the end of all of this. Yeah, as you rightly said, it should feel uncomfortable very, very demanding, very challenging, and not because it's time. I'm on about the amount of responsibility and accountability that you're going to have. But at the end of it, you reflect and go, do you know what? I have learned so much. And I, I know, I was talking to you today about, about America, and you went into the, into the lion's den in a different country, knowing nobody, and had to direct six shows in six weeks that is relentless beyond belief. It's particularly having none of your, you know, friends there, no, yeah. no peer mentors there, no, no people that you could, and yet you were, you wouldn't. I know that you would not have been able to do that without being exposed to that level of responsibility and pressure at a really, really young age. I have the a wonderful analogy, but it is superhero related, so I'll have to, I'll have to explain it as I go. So essentially. Um, I think a lot of the feeling that I would relate a lot of that to, a lot of the going to America and, and working on that project, six shows in six weeks, one show a week, uh, 30 kids in each cast, was like, 
in Superman when Krypton explodes. Krypton's the home planet, Mark. When Krypton explodes and and you get left with... Superman is left with a crystal from, uh, from Krypton. And if you throw that crystal into the water, a little fortress of solitude sprouts up. So a little little version of Krypton sprouts up. It's got like all the ready-made ingredients needed to just unpack the little island. And I feel like going away and going to a place where there wasn't really an infrastructure for how that youth theatre-making kind of process happens. And there was just, right, there's none of that what the apprenticeship left me with and what it will inevitably leave you with, Ben, is like that little crystal of Krypton, uh, which, like, it's like, oh, I've got the the package ready to just unwrap and roll out to run that sort of project in a very art-centre way. That doesn't mean there's the sound desk that I'm really used to and it won't mean there's the there's the resource zone on the website that you're able to go to they weren't there but the principles and the values and the ethics in order to run that project they were dead easy to go let me just unload all these unwrap them and roll with them and and fundamentally even when it was like week three and it was like, this is just not, there is no end in sight to this. It's like, okay, but there's principles and there is values that can get me through this. And in a way that means I'm not willing to turn around to a cast and scream at them all and make them feel bad because they're not getting the blocking right in a very, in a way that is very different to that. And that was very much... I think what the apprenticeship left me with. So to, to finish off, I've got a quite one question for Ben, and then Ben, right. you might have a question for us. Don't know, but my final question to you would be: you, you, you illustrated what a good apprenticeship looks like, and as I say, I think your answer was much more art centre than it was our ladies. Mm-hmm. Um, but simple question: what are you? As you enter into the next two years, what is your biggest fear? What are you afraid of the most about it? I'm, oh, that's, uh, that's tough. I'm afraid. I'm afraid of letting people down, but not just anyone, the people in my life, who who I hold really, really close, which I can probably count on one hand. People who have helped me get to where I am now. If I was to waste my time, if I was to do, if I was to go and become lazy, if I was to do anything wrong, not anything wrong, but if I was to mess up big time and let those people down who have put so much of their own time in into building, helping build who I am now, I'd be really disappointed in myself. And that scares me. And how do you think, as a bit of a two-part, how do you think you you would let them down? 
because they've invested so much of their time into me. And if if I was to sort of get all this knowledge, all this all this skill, and I was to just go off the rails at some point and just and just not be in, be interested in 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 spreading the values that I've got. If I was to go against directly against the values that I stand for, going against myself, I I feel I'm not just going against myself. I'm going against the people who have put their own time and effort into me. Yeah, which fills me with with great sort of you know optimism. I think, and and, and as we you know the, one of the last guests on the podcast was Mike, and I I feel like we've. Yeah, and I'm going to use a football. I'm going to finish with a football analogy because I know Joe loves these. I mean, but I like I fe- to decipher them. <laughs> but I feel like Mike. Mike was like a you know, he was like the old captain of the team, and and you he played he played you know two a thousand matches and had had a massive experience and and we'd we, we've Mike has you know he's played his testimonial match which they play at the end as a bit of a thank you goodbye, um, and what we've done is signed signed a, a really really talented young youngster for you know for for little money and the plan is to is to kind of as we think or i think that he he is you know the the future of of the center and how the center continues to keep to keep growing and evolving um yeah i feel like that's 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 the role that you're that you're about to play, but I think if you know, in order for you to be successful in that role, yeah, you, you, you're you're absolutely right. It's about it's it's the values. It's going to be hard work. It's going to be ambitious. It's about being respectful to everybody, even the people that that can't help you. Um, and it's about having a real clear, yeah, your reflection about being proud of of what you've done, how you got here, um, and you can stand back at the very end of this and say, I, I was really, really proud of, of the of the effort that, that I have put into all of this uh, and I'm a better person because of it. I think I'd like to, I'd like to, and Ben, we've got a section coming up here where you're going to ask us some questions. Mm-hmm. But I'm really interested to build on your question, Mark, because I think that... We work in a way that is not motivated by short-term incentives in this organisation, but we certainly have long-term kind of visions to move us forward and to align our work and productivity to. We have targets that we work towards as as an organisation and a company. But I also theorise, Ben, that along the way you will start to have your own sort of what will become milestones for you. And as we've kind of already discussed, sometimes they are milestones that teach a really good lesson, but make you go, oh, Charlotte's with the magazine, mine with uh, the student forum and uh, not including everyone that was ought to be included in that. But there's also great ones like like a first a first show in that role or I, I quite sp- quite particularly remember i remember the first sessions um i remember the first sessions that we had in upholland as an apprentice the first time that i was in in a first ever session right now if you were to look into what the next like two years has in it what is a milestone that you are 
excited about that you're looking forward to? I'm really, really excited for Madagascar to go to stage because the first time around with Matilda, I was, I feel like I was more shadowing Mark and I remember specifically sitting down with him in the boardroom, having a conversation about what was going to happen in the next like show and sessions. And I, I went in and in my head I was thinking, I was like, oh, oh no, I was like, that that show was just a mess for me and he's not going to want me to do anything else. And I've messed up so much in this last show that he's not even going to need me and he doesn't want me anymore. You didn't tell me any of this when you offered him to me for Madagascar. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and, and, and then I went in and I remember talking to him and the way he took the approach was what he could do moving forwards to help that and what I could do. So rather, so an approach that we took was what we can both do to move forwards. And one thing was that he was willing to give me more of the show, much more of the show. And I remember you turning around to me saying, right, Ben, uh, next week you're going to start blocking the show. And I was like, what? And that, that, that like sort of caught me off guard. And being no, and knowing that user trusted me with those responsibilities, and this being the first show where I actually am trying to take more responsibility, I'd love to just see the improvement from. And I, I think that I'd be a lot more satisfied now with the show if it went to stage tomorrow, than I would than than I was with myself after Matilda, because I know I feel like I'm trying a lot more. I, I know that I'm taking a bigger role and I know that I've been trusted it. And knowing that yous have had the trust to give me another shot at it means that it gives me more motivation to, to get it done. To And I'm loving the show at the moment. So I am really excited for Madagascar to go to stage. At this point, this is uh, where we'd like you to potentially ask us some questions. So... If you have a question for Mark and a question for me, and then perhaps a question for both of us. Okie doke. Uh, Mark, you said before about uh, me and Joe and Charlotte and all of us as apprentices and the fact that you're you're willing to let us have a go, even if it means messing up, and that, that would ultimately be passed up to you. Even... It will be our fault if we take responsibilities for the mistakes. But ultimately, it, it's your business that, that you're risking. Why, wh- like, wh- what makes you trust us to move forward with this these apprenticeships? And what, what makes you sort of willing to give us some of these responsibilities that could mess up? Okay, two, two, for two things, I think. I've taught th- tens of thousands of people over the years. The business I've been I've had for uh, since 2011, and I've only ever had three apprentices. In fact, I actually haven't had. I've had two, and you are the third. Um, and because I recognise first and foremost that if I have done my job properly, then I could. I could walk away from this business and know that it would continue to evolve and develop with the same principles and the same values as it's always had when I started. So for me, it's about the legacy of the of the business. 
it's not creating a situation where this business will only succeed if I am here because the business then is only ever going to be as old as me. So I recognize that I have to step back and I have to give people real life, real life responsibilities. And I think you coming in is not the only job change. We're going to talk probably in the next couple of weeks about the huge paradigm shift across the business with everybody's role changing in light of Mike moving moving on. So that's the first thing I recognise the legacy is important. Why you and why Joe and why Charlotte? I think fundamentally there is a, a balance between the skill level, but I think the skill can be taught. Um, I think you can learn the skills, but you have to have the right attitude. You have to have that kind of, you know, that's some of the things that you've said even today are, are are quite wise for someone so young. And I think that that wisdom has come from your journey doesn't start now. It's it's 10 years. It's 10 years old. And like a big sponge, you, you've, you've absorbed a lot of those philosophies and those principles. I think I know now I'm confident that that even under the, the weight of pressure that you're going to be under, um, personal pressure that you've put on yourself, the weight of expectation, as you've mentioned, about not letting people down, I actually think that you'll be okay with that. I think that, you know, you always you can always see when someone gets ugly when they get pressured and stressed. You you don't. You don't tend to get that. Um, maybe even more so than Joe and I. I think you're... You've got the right temperament, I think. Charlotte was like that. I've never seen Charlotte, like, you know, flipping tables and throwing cups. She's, ne you know, so I think you're the right, I think you have the right temperament. And I think fundamentally you, you know, you're in a position of leadership, even though you're only so young. I think that people will follow you because I think you're, you know, at your core, I think you're, you're, you're an art centre you're an art centre person. So, yeah, I, I think it's really about leading with the character and the, the attitude first. If, if that's right, the, the skills will, will flow or, the, or the, the flowers will grow, as, as Lord Mawson would say. So I hope that answers your question. Yeah. And Joe, as, as an ex-arts apprentice, a successful mm -hmm. one, um, I remember. On day, but fair I remember having a conversation recently with Charlotte Guy, who turned around and she says, "She was going, oh Ben Chain, I wish I could just give you a handbook called an apprentice, like with all the with all the stuff that you should be aware of moving into this apprenticeship." What would your number one rule in that handbook say if you were giving it off to a new apprentice going? Right, I can't talk to you. I can't. I can't be a part of this. But if I could give you one piece of advice moving into this apprenticeship, this is what it will be. the The biggest piece of advice, the biggest thing that I think you should become aware of, does not exist in any form of do this and don't do this. It's to think about how you are looking at and analysing and reflecting on what you are doing. Because 
The stuff that Charlotte might have absolutely loved and thrived from in the apprenticeship might be the stuff that really doesn't help you. And equally, the stuff that didn't align to Charlotte's Northern Star may really be what you live for. And the same goes for me, the stuff that really worked well for me. We were having this conversation today even. The stuff that worked really well for me may not work in the same ways for you and vice versa. And I think that the key for you to understand what works for you, what doesn't work for you, what was the lesson in this, what was the the cautionary tale in that is to be doing your own reflection and looking back and capturing that learning as it as it's going on and you'll absolutely capture it by doing it but i think it's fair to say you'll capture it even more by reflecting back on it i would suggest that if you're asking what would my one guidebook rule book survival guide be it would be make your own guidebook rule book or survival guide and finally for both of you if you two wanted me to take one thing from this apprenticeship and be able to turn around to the next arts apprentice and say well I did this apprenticeship and this is what I got from it or this is why you should do it what would that what would that bit be from the apprenticeship that you would love for people to look at the apprenticeship and go I want to do it because I'm going to get this from it mine's quite simple mine would be above all else I did that apprenticeship and I became a better person because of it um I think that yeah my answer, I hope, speaks for itself. And I think mine is probably um, by helping other people. You is it's probably the best way that you can help yourself. The business is very much about service. We provide a service. We, we provide an important. We become an important part of people's lives. Um, and. There's real joy in that, and and I know that you you get that in a way you 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 understand because you've done a lot of peer mentor and you understand that. But I think yeah, this is you know you could say I'm doing this solely for me, but actually to be successful you're going to be doing it largely in service of others, and there is real joy in that. And I want you to really find the joy in that. Um, you know, that helping other people is is a real superpower in itself. Finally then, Ben, we are going to throw a couple quick fire questions your way. This is something that we do with most of the guests that we get on the podcast. My one to you, Ben, first of all, is quick fire question. Of all of them, your favourite arts show? The Lion King. What is your dream show to direct? Probably Newsies. What about, Ben, a show that you would love to watch on stage? I'd love to see Moulin Rouge. Your favourite ever peer mentor? My favourite... Oh, Jess Walsh. And last one, Ben. 
What is the single piece of advice that you'd give to younger students? To take advantage. Take advantage of everything you've got now. The, the, the opportunities that have been opened up to you, especially if at the centre. The, the knowledge, the, the wisdom, the understanding, the teachers. Well, I say teachers, but the OZAR teachers, just not school system teachers. Got myself muddled up, um, but being able to look around the stuff we have here, the the technology here, the um, being able to use the equipment, the space, the building, everything about it, the people here, just take advantage of it all. You, you are being offered something that about ninety eight percent of the people around the world are not being offered, and you and you're here. You can take it. It's there for it's there for grabs. It's like it's like you're in a store and it's an all you can grab. But you just walk through it, and you're gonna grab stuff. You're gonna you you should grab as much as you can. You wouldn't walk through one of them and just go, "Wow, that's nice," and just walk back out. You you want to take as much as you can, because the more you take, the more you learn. The more you learn, the more you understand. And when you understand different stuff, you can teach it to other people, and it's just it's just there for the taking. So take it all. Spot on, Ben. I think on that we are we are going to end there. So thanks, Ben, so much for for joining us on what is actually your second podcast appearance, making you the only returning podcast guest of the new season so far. I think I look forward as well to the end of it. It'd be nice to sit down at the end of the apprenticeship, or maybe at the end of the first year, and and maybe just do something very reflective on on the you know the the halfway point maybe of of what you're what you're learning and and what you've what you've learned but yeah thanks Ben <laughs>